Matthew 16, verse 24. It'll be on the screens for you. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my followers, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. But if you try to hang on to your life, you lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what you do, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, and, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is there anything more important, more valuable, more precious than your soul? We're going to jump over to another scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, ties into the same verse. Uh, 5.14 says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone, so those who receive his new life no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So Father, I pray you to speak. Use this scripture. Give us your words, Father. The biggest disappointment would be for all of us to gather, work so hard, and you not speak. So, Father, keep me out of the way of what you're going to say. Speak to our hearts, God. We're here to hear from you. We're here to hear from you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, we are entering into a rhythm of the, the Christian calendar. I was unaware of this. For most of my life. Uh, that there is an entire rhythm to the Christian faith that uh, the Pentecostal church has historically looked away from. Or rather just not, uh, not walked with. And so we are in the Lenten season where we are preparing our hearts for his resurrection. We're giving things up in preparation for Christ to come. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about what it means to give up your life. To give up your rights, to give up your preferences, in order to take up your cross. Um, I want to I want to give a huge shout out real quick to uh, my my buddy Luke. Luke, I know you're not watching because you're launching a church this morning, and so I just want you to know that Legacy Church is with you now. We are so proud of you guys. You guys are launching uh, in in Aliso Viejo. And it's just been so cool to be able to walk with Luke and, and see the team grow and, and what God's doing there. Um, the other thing I want to say is welcome to our online community. Thank you so much for being a part of what God is doing. We're so grateful for you. We should share this experience. We believe that God is going to use it to speak into people's lives. And Mark and Ava, we want to say a special uh, hello to you guys this morning. When I was, let's say, four, maybe five, we were living in, in Lake Forest at the time, and I remember being out in the backyard. We had a fairly good-sized backyard, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? It was, it was to a four-year-old, let me put it that way. Anything's bigger than an apartment like balcony, so. Um, and I remember doing, doing lawn work with Dad. Being out in the backyard, and he would mow what little grass there was, and then uh, we'd break leaves. And I remember one time, he had this like giant rake it was giant to a four-year-old. It's not giant to it's a normal rake. Um, and I remember going over and picking it up and thinking, oh my gosh, this is so heavy. 
could barely drag it. And so I just kind of continued that line of thinking for a long time that ranks were heavy. That gardeners really like were, were hard workers and they had these crazy heavy tools that they had. I mean, they are hard workers, but that all their tools were like 40 pound ranks. You know what I mean? And then I remember going back when I was older and grabbing that same rake and thinking, well, that's, that's actually not too bad. Like, I, this is manageable. And I think that is the attitude in which the church right now is approaching the conversation of taking up your cross. That maybe it's too much weight for us to carry. So we have to read two portions of scripture um, and Matthew, he opens up by saying that Jesus said to his disciples, which, by the way, this is an inclusive invitation um, to be like him. If you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Not casually, but passionately. Yeah. Not passively, but aggressively. Like when he says, follow me, we're not talking about sauntering after him. You're talking about like. Pursuing a deer when you're hunting. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get it. That's what he's talking about. So, if you want to, uh, if you hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. That's where I get the title of the message. Something's got to give. Have you ever just been there where you're like frustrated with life and you just feel like, oh, something's got to give. Like, it's, it's. That moment where you just almost have to just release some steam. Okay, that's, that's where Jesus is here. He's actually talking with his disciples saying, hey, if you're going to be like me, you're going to have to give some things up. And I love that Jesus always models this super cool, calm, collected uh, uh, attitude throughout his conversations with the disciples. But he's, he's staying calm, but not expecting them to be calm. He's asking us to passionately pursue what it is that he has for us. So up until this point in, in the story of, of Matthew, um, the disciples have had a pretty sweet gig. I mean, it's not been hard to follow Jesus as he heals people. It's not been hard to follow Jesus as he opens blind eyes. Like he just does really cool things. Who wouldn't want to follow this guy? You know what I mean? And now all of a sudden he turns the tables and says, hey, if you really want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to bring the instrument with you that I plan to die on. <clears throat> so this is really the, one of the first foretellings that the disciples have heard from Jesus saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to leave you. And we're entering that season now that we prepare our hearts to, to expect his resurrection. And I can't wait for Easter Sunday. But that being the case, there's a lot of, of weight to this portion of Scripture. We've got a lot of dirt to get through today. I just want to give you a heads up. Uh, every week so far has been, here's the clouds, here's the dirt. We get to celebrate both. Today we've just got a lot of dirt to deal with. And then next week we're going to be celebrating a lot of the clouds where people are going to be baptized. I believe people are going to be uh, saved both today and next week. I hope, by the way, you're involved in a small group because people are getting saved in small groups. The community and the conversations that we are having, however ridiculous they may sound, those of you who were in my group this last week, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we're growing in community. And it's really cool to see 
uh, students and, and older adults ask questions that they might not get to ask on a Sunday morning in a style like this. But Jesus always meets us on the level um, of where we are. He walked away from the Pharisees and the Sadducees earlier in this chapter to have a private conversation with his followers. He specifically addresses his disciples on a deeper and more intimate level. He will constantly reveal more of who he is as we grow with him. See, Jesus has this way of, of inviting us into the next death. That when you're here, he's always constantly trying to get you here. And when you're here, there's another step to take. You know what I mean? Like there's always another depth to who he is. And so I love that wherever you are, wherever you find yourself today, he's willing and able to meet you in that place. But the goal is not for you to meet him there and stay there. The goal is for you to give up your life for the things that he wants. He wants to take you to the next depth. And that's what we're going to be looking into today. Um, I was reading a commentary by Matthew Henry this, this week, and he says this. Bear with me, this is a bit of a paragraph here, um, and older English. So, Christ reveals his mind to people gradually and lets in light as they can bear it and are fit to receive it. From that time when they had made the full confession of Christ that he was the Son of God, then he began to show them who he really was. He found them knowing in one truth. He taught them another. So once they had understood this, he said, okay, it's, it's now time to go to the next death. For him, that was shall be given. Let them first be established in the principles of the doctrine of Jesus, then go on to perfection. If they had not been well grounded in the belief of Christ, being the Son of God, it would have been great shaking to their faith. So I, I think what I'm realizing over the last couple of months of studying and preparing messages is the casual walk with Christ that the Christian church today is preaching is pretty far off from what Christ actually calls to. Amen. And that's too bad. Because the reality is we like to give each other the out of we can never reach perfection. <laughs> Right? We, we can give each other the out. Oh, it's okay. There's grace to cover that. You know what? There is grace to cover that. But eventually you're going to have to grow up. Perfection is the end goal. That's what Jesus himself says. He says, if you're going to live the life that I want you to live, you're going to have to die every day to yourself and come after the things that I want in my heart. So Jesus invites us then to carry our cross, but not physically, uh, because the physical cross, the cross itself, actually has no power. It's the power that was nailed to it that he's wanting us to remember and, and remind ourselves. So he's actually inviting us to crucify ourselves, our flesh, that old life, constantly. It's where you take your doubts and your frustrations your pain and your sin, your anxiety and depression. All the struggles that you're, you're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. And you constantly, permanently, and eternally nail them to the cross where Christ has already conquered that thing. Right? He died on the cross and then he rose again. That's the whole season that we're preparing for right now. And we get to take place 
in that glory with him. So you are called, we are called, to give up our rights and desires in order to give others the love that God has shown us. Isn't that interesting? That the plan of salvation that God has laid out is so good because he said, I'm going to come, I'll, I'll live a sinless life, I'm going to do miracles, I'm going to show you who I am, then I'm going to die for your sin, not mine, I will raise back to life, show you that I did it, ta-da, and then I'm going to go be with my father, and I'm going to prepare another place for you. Do you see how once you even got to the resurrection, there's constantly a new death to get to? That you don't just stop at resurrection, you, you strain towards perfection. You reach after what Christ has put in front of us. So I was sitting a couple of weeks ago with one of our students, and um, I like asking people, what, what are some questions that the church is not answering? One of the big ones right now is, how do we deal with anxiety? What does it look like to, to have anxiety and be a Christ follower? What does it look like to be in the presence of perfect healing and still have crippling anxiety? What does it look like to be in the presence of perfect healing and God still not heal me? Are we capable of sitting in that? Are we? Brittany and I sat with a couple last night as they walked through some profound pain in their life. And we had to ask the question, God, why didn't you heal? What do we do with that? And I'll be honest with you, it's caused me in my own faith to pray weak prayers. And I'm, I'm fighting to get to the point where I can pray confidently knowing that God will heal people. Because see, a couple of months ago, in, back in November, we had a night of worship where I specifically heard God say, if you will bring people in here, I will heal and I will fill them with my spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And I got so excited because like, this was, this was not something that was on my calendar. Like God said, set it up and I'll meet you there. And so we did, and we had an incredible time, and there were, there were technical difficulties, we got past them, and then there were people here that were kind of off, and, and, and we got past them, and, and, and just to bring the attention to this moment where there were people across the stage here, and you know what? Jesus showed up, and, and he filled people with his Holy Spirit. And then there was this moment where I said, okay, there's going to be a healing. God told me he wants to heal tonight. And it didn't happen. At least the way that I wanted to see it. It didn't happen like a limb grew back or, or a chronic illness was gone or, or X, Y, Z, the specific thing I'm talking about. We were sitting with this couple last night and I began to weep with them. Because I'm saying, I know that God has a plan. And if I really believe that Jesus himself raised up from the grave, then I have to believe that he's capable of healing in this moment. And I, and I told him, I said, it's, it's even caused me to, I don't want to say doubt, because it's not a doubt, but it's this awkward moment where in my prayer to, Levi's been sick this week, so praying over my son, God, will you heal? You know, it's, it's not, it's not, I'm not always confident, guys. Can I just be honest with you? I, I, I want to be in that place where I know God's will so well that I can step into a situation, lay hands on someone, and I know that they're going to be healed, but that didn't happen this week. 
So God, what are you doing? That being said, one of the things that the church isn't talking about is what does it actually look like in 2020 to carry your cross? We want to talk about things like ageism. Why is the church like repelling anybody with old gray hair? Why are we repelling the very thing that we're told to seek out? Wisdom, experience. See, when God told us to start this church, he told us, you're going to take the wisdom and the experience of the older generations and you're going to mix it with the passion and the, the excitement of the younger ones. And we've done a pretty good job of that so far, but now we're saying, okay, we got the surface level, and just as Jesus is calling us in our personal walks, it's time to go deeper. How do we, how do we go after more wisdom? So, then my question to you today is this. What does it actually look like to take up your cross in 2020? I think, I think it looks a little different than maybe it has historically speaking. See, because Corinthians, the verse that we, we read earlier, uh, verse 14 says, Either way, Christ's love controls us. And since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died. To our old life. That word died is apathanon in the Greek. You're welcome. <laughs> but you know what's interesting about that specific verbiage, like the tense of the word that's being used? Is it doesn't mean <clears throat> you died. End of story. It's actually a present tense. You're dying. So therefore, it's not you have died to your old self, congratulations, you're done. It's actually, guess what? You got up this morning and you've got some things that still need to be surrendered. You've got to constantly die. It is an active, every single day, dying to self. And what does that mean? I think it actually just looks like wanting the things that God's heart wants. Instead of what I want. Like, could we put aside our selfish desires, even if it was like... As simple as canes. Oh, yeah, I stepped on some toes there, didn't I? But if you could give up your desire for canes so that someone else could eat and come into the kingdom, what would that look like? I think it looks like us being constantly ready to give up the things that we want for the thing that his heart desires. That's what, what giving up your life looks like. I hear this a lot. Um, that's just my cross to bear. Have you guys heard this? Yeah. Like when someone's going through a struggle and rather than praying about it, rather than believing that God wants to do something in it, they just say, well, that's just my cross to bear. Like, oh, how pious of you. I'm so excited. <laughs> the reality is, I want to I make sure I get this. I want to get this right. I wrote it down earlier because I felt like the Holy Spirit has spoken. Um, if you carry a cross... That you're not called to carry, you won't have the capacity to carry the one you were called to carry. I think every time biblical covenant is mentioned, that being the relationship between God and, and human, Jesus Christ and our souls, something had to die to bring that into alignment. Every time it was mentioned, something else had to die. And so then the weight of your cross isn't the weight of your shame. It's the weight of your responsibility to be like Christ. 
So when he's saying die to yourself, that's constant. That's every single day. Put down your personal desires so that you can pick up what I have for you. But then also bring a cross. Because he's telling his disciples this. And the disciples didn't see the cross as this beautiful thing that we hang in churches. They saw it as a torture device. And so what Jesus is inviting them into is saying, hey, if you're truly going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciples, you're going to have to do some suffering. In fact, you're going to do so much suffering. Why don't you just bring your own cross so you can at least die in the comfort of knowing that you're doing it. In fact, you're going to need a cross because that's the thing that you're supposed to be tagging your shame, your pain, your discomfort, your irritation, your, your struggles too. Because Jesus already overcame it. So, what does it actually look like? What does that look like for us? Are we able to look past the weight of our shame? Because I'll be honest with you, for a long time, I've struggled with the shame in my own life. I've done some things, guys, that I'm not proud of. And so when I hear pick up your cross, I think pick up the weight of that and carry that because I've got to die to that. And the reality is it's something completely different where Jesus is inviting me into picking up his easy yoke. Where he's actually saying the weight of the cross is not your shame. It's the responsibility that you have to be like me so that more people can come into alignment with me. Yeah, so it's much more beautiful than the old rugged cross. I love those songs. And I love that we have more songs that are coming up today that, that celebrate the work that was done on the cross. But let's not get it confused, guys. The cross in itself has no power. It's what was done on the cross and what was done after the cross, in spite of the cross. Yeah. That is actually what we're celebrating. That's right. So what does it look like to carry your cross? Well, I, I think practically it looks like us saying, God, what do you want me to do today? Like, what if we start our day out with that? Saying, God, I know that you have divine appointments for me. And I'm really excited to step into those things. So will you open my eyes to this? See, Jesus commands us to pick up our cross daily and carry it with us, not literally, but in our hearts. <coughs> I, I'm going to step on some toes. I'm not trying to, but I just know the reality. The, the, the rosary doesn't have any power. Carrying a cross with you doesn't have any power. Wearing a cross around your neck doesn't have any power. It's your responsibility, and I'll even say it this way, it's your alignment with Christ that carries the power. If you will step into alignment with what God is doing, you'll, you'll start receiving that power. Because that's what he's asking his disciples to do. So then the dirt that we get to dig through today is you have to crucify your flesh. But the clouds are... If you'll do that, you'll get to take place in the glory of Christ. Don't believe me? Check out what Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 3 through 4. He said, for you died to this life and your real life, the one that matters, the one that we're actually talking about, the one that will go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, is actually hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who by the way is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. 
So we have the work of the dirt where we're sitting every morning on the edge of our bed, or maybe you're laying back and scrolling through Instagram, I don't know, however you roll. But what if your posture is, God, what do you want from me today? How do you want me to talk to people today? If that's the posture of your heart, I believe that he will meet you. I believe he will speak to you. And I believe we will learn not to, not to hesitate at the weight of the cross. I think it actually becomes something that we'll, we'll become stronger in. That you'll learn to shoulder the weight of and carry that cross just right so that it doesn't wear out your shoulder. I mean, that's the beauty of the cross. Jesus already overcame it. So now, if it's your responsibility to be like him that we're talking about, it shouldn't be a burden that's too heavy for you. It should be something that you're excited to wake up in the morning and talk to God about. Second Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 4, says he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. See, Jesus will empower us to pick up our cross so we can lay down our lives for others the way he wants us to. That's what it actually looks like to pick up your cross. That's what it looks like to die yourself so you can be raised to life in Christ. That's the part we're going to be celebrating next week. We believe that, that baptism is a symbol of what God has done internally. So it's kind of like the wedding ring to your relationship. Just because I wear a wedding ring, wear a wedding ring so sorry, uh, doesn't mean I'm married. Like, it doesn't make me married. If I take my, my ring off, guess what? I'm still married. But it shows people, back off. <laughs> so the same thing is, is true about baptism. It's showing people, I, I belong to Christ. And it's telling the devil, back off. That's what we get to celebrate. So the dirt that we've been dealing with this week is we have to learn to die to ourselves. And it's going to be uncomfortable. It's, it's going to raise some tensions. Because there are some things that we actually really like. Our attitudes, our ways of thinking, our ways of doing things, our, our rhythms in life. That God's asking us to lay down so that other people can come to know Him. Better yet, He's asking you to lay it down so you can go to the next death. So, I wonder if we would just take a second and audit ourselves. And say, God, what, what in my heart, in my life, do you need me to lay down so that I can be more like you? And not just for the selfish ambition of being like Christ, but if you're like Christ, guess what? It's much more likely that people would come to you and say, you want something different about you? I, I, I want to be like you. I, 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 want, I, want to, I want people to see in me what they see in you. And can I just tell you, it could be job-related, it could be um, home-related, it could be relationships that you're asked to give up. It could be ways of thinking. I'm right. I'm a better leader. I'm a better this. It could be even just your personal preferences of the way things are done. That God's asking us to give up. That He's saying, I have something better for you on the other side of this. And I don't know about you, but I want to get to that next step. I woke up early this morning.
praying over this message, reading over the notes and saying, God, if, if, if I can just get out of the way enough, I want you to be seen. I, I need people to go to the next level. Guys, if, if, if we're going to grow, let's, just, let's do some housekeeping. If we're going to grow, we need people to give up their opinions and their preferences of the way things should be done. We need people to give up some things in their schedule to make church a priority, to make small groups a priority, to make essentials a priority. We're going to need people to give up some of their finances to make sure that people get to come to a place where they can hear a message. And I promise you, I'll do my part. I'll study. I'll make sure that you guys are fed well. But we all are being called to another level, another depth where Jesus is saying, come deeper, closer, quieter. In fact, if you haven't, I want to challenge you. Begin to fast. Make that a part of your spiritual rhythm. It's a meaningful part of my walk with Christ now. And I have been fasting the last couple of weeks, uh, a day a week, for you. And I, there have even been a couple of people that have specifically been on my heart. And I'll text them and say, I just want you to know, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for this. Guys, there are a couple of people in our church that have lost their jobs, that need more income because they're just not making it. And I'm praying for a million dollar miracle. And I don't mean like everybody gets a million dollars. I mean, I'm asking for God to, over the coming months, pour out a million dollars in our finances for the church, for individuals, for you. And I don't know, some of you may be here and say, like, hey, yo, Pastor, pray for me, and I'll pray for you. And I don't think depth always means money, just so you're aware. I'm not big on the prosperity gospel. You know what I am big on? The work. The work to be like Christ. To pick up your cross, die yourself, and follow Jesus. Are you scheduling your life in such a way that Jesus could interrupt it and ask you to do something and you would follow that? Yeah. At the drop of a hat. Or are you so in a rush to get to the next place? Are you running late? I love that one. We were talking last night about somebody who, who was constantly, chronically late. And they were actually confronted. Are you chronically late because you feel important when you walk in the room and all eyes are on you? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, there's just so much that we have to give up. And the church is trying to water this down in an effort to be seeker-sensitive. And I think what we're seeing is a resurgence of uh, the, the higher liturgical uh, practices, the devotional things that, that we don't really talk about. I think that's the thing that's missing, the depth. And I'm not against energetic services, obviously. I like being in a place where there's energy and life, and you can sense it, and you know the Holy Spirit's moving, but I also want to give time in the same service to step back and say, put it on our hearts for this week. What are you going to do? Here's the gig. I, I really believe that today someone is wrestling with this in their own life. And it might be that you've made a commitment to the Lord already, but you're having a hard time laying down the things that you want. It might be that you have never had a conversation with God. That this Jesus who asks you to die every day actually kind of seems kind of scary. And I just want you to know that it's not actually scary at all. 
when he says, give up your life, he's, he's saying, if you'll give me what little thing you have, I'll give you everything. I want to do something in your life. I want to do something powerful. And so I think right now, there's even someone in this room, their heart's beginning to race because they know they're going to be faced with having to make a decision. And I want to encourage you. I want to champion you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that decision. To follow Christ. Then I'm going to give all of us an opportunity to say, Jesus, I'm laying this down. And it could be a past hurt. We dealt with that a couple weeks ago. It could be something that someone did to you that you're going to have to lay down. And I think I, I mentioned it. We have so ingrained ourselves in, in the muscle memory of laying things down at the cross, saying, Jesus, take this, handle it, I know you're capable, and then picking it up right before we leave. Because we don't actually trust that he'll do it. Am I right? Yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only one, because there's been a lot of times where I've done the same thing, and I'm thinking like, ah, dang it, i got to lay this down again. And I was open with you guys about... Um, a season of hurt in my life a couple of weeks ago at, uh, at a previous job. And I told you that I was wrestling with forgiveness in my own heart. And this last week, um, I actually had a dream, and I woke up from the dream, and I was relieved. Because even after I, I told you about it, even after I have prayed, God, help me forgive this person, I forgive them, and speaking that out, I was still harboring something in my heart, and in a dream, I flew across the country and knocked on the person's door and forgave them in my dream. And I woke up feeling like, it's happened. I can move on. But it wasn't because I picked that thing up from the cross. It's because I invited Jesus into that thing. And so this morning, I want to give you guys an opportunity to hear from the Holy Spirit. So Father, would you use this moment? Help us steward it right. 